Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast here on Word and Testimony. We're back in our In His Image series. We're going to be talking about um, Jesus Christ as head of the body today. This is uh, an interesting concept. It's got plenty of implications for all kinds of things, uh, including our own relationships and uh, the way that we understand how Jesus relates to the church how he leads the church and how he calls us to participate in his church. Um, and so we're going to try and we need to be honest and sort of touch on some of those pieces, but we're going to try and focus on Jesus and what it means that he is the head. Um, plenty of our Christian traditions have an emphasis on this idea of headship. Sometimes it's referred to as federal headship, that in uh, the way God has set up the world in his order of creation, he has a kind of authority structure that involves a federal headship where um, parents have a kind of responsibility and representation of their children until uh, their kiddos are uh, having households of their own. And uh, husbands do that um, for wives and for the whole household in some capacity. There's a bit of a cultural piece to what we call federal headship, where in the culture of the New Testament especially, it was um, men who carried legal status, and their households held legal status under the um, authority, under the position of the uh, father or the oldest brother in a given household. And so uh, some of this has to do with just the way that that cultural context plays, but a lot of this has to do with some of the things that are present uh, in the way it seems that God has done some things or established some things. And so we're going to try to pay attention to those issues and just talk our way through it. Um, This idea of headship comes more fully or more clearly into focus in the New Testament texts, uh, especially as Paul And the scriptures in the New Testament highlight it directly. Uh, Paul says things like, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. It's Ephesians 5.23. Or he says things like, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband. It's 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Paul, in, in the 1 Corinthians text, 1 Corinthians 11, 3 through 12, and then again in 1 Timothy 2.13, he discusses the idea that Adam's made first and then Eve is made as his helper. The word for helper is azer in Hebrew. And I think we have to be careful here because the idea of Eve being Adam's helper is not, and I think it's often mistaken this way today, but it, it is not to place women as an inferior to men. It's not an inferior position. It, it's, it's, it's in fact a little bit the opposite. Azer is used in the Old Testament primarily to talk about God. And so First Testament texts that highlight Azer or helper are primarily highlighting God's role as help, as savior, or the one through whom the will and the work of God comes to its ultimate fruition. And in that regard, if if we just consider Eve for a second, Eve's necessary because without her, Adam and his work remain incomplete. 
Remember, God has said to us that it is not good that Adam is alone. And so Eve is a good, she's the good counterpart to Adam that makes the creation of humanity in God's image and God's likeness complete and makes it very good in God's eyes. See Genesis chapter 2. The issue of husbands and wives and and men and women aside for a a little bit of a a second here, it, it matters to us how humanity is supposed to reflect the image and likeness of our Creator because He created and designed us to reflect that. There is a reflection of God in our human relationships rather particularly in our marriages. Husbands are called to lead, to love sacrificially and selflessly, like Jesus. Wives are called to respond, participate in in God's will like Jesus does with the Father in the Gospels. Actively seeking out, partnering with, pairing to, participating in the will of God. Together, then, the married pair reflects Jesus, the husband reflecting Jesus' headship, and the wife reflecting Jesus' willing and insistent and active engagement and participation in God's will and in God's plans. Colossians mentions three times that Jesus Christ is the head. Colossians 1.18, 2.10, and 2.19. In 1.18 and in 2.19, Uh, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And in 2.10, Jesus Christ is the head of all rule and authority. The Greek word in use for the, the English word head is the word kephale. And it means the head of the body or the top as in the sort of capstone of a building. By extension, a lot of its use means someone or something in the primary place as a sort of uh, first amongst kind of place or the point of origin for a particular thing. The thing with authority over or the cause of something. Paul has already told us that Jesus Christ is the creator and sustainer of all things, that he made all things, and that in Jesus Christ all things hold Together, that's Colossians 1, 15 through 17. And here in Colossians, Jesus Christ is the head of the church and or the head of all rule and authority. And so what do we mean? We mean that Jesus is the origin and authority for the church and all earthly rule and authority. None of it gets its place, its existence, its anything without Jesus Christ. Now, that does not mean that our human institutions or our human elements of power and authority, that the church, that rule and authority in human ways are always going to do the things as Jesus would do them. It's quite opposite that fact. Sin gets in the way and entangles a lot of that. But it does mean that Jesus Christ as the head is sovereign in leadership, in authority, and in direction for these institutions. 
The church and our powers of rule and authority get things correct when we orient ourselves with the head of the body, or we align ourselves with Jesus Christ, our sovereign king. All good power, authority, rule, all good ways of being flow from Jesus Christ. They are exemplified by Jesus Christ. And they find proper place in the creating and sustaining power of Jesus Christ. Because he is the head of all rule and authority. Because he is the head of the church. And so it, it's best, it's right, it's good when it looks like Jesus. Husbands are the heads of their households and they're supposed to be like Jesus as they take their leadership from Jesus. And so I'm, I am the husband that I am supposed to be as I am led by Jesus, following his example in all things, being selfless and sacrificial. And wives are the image of God that they were created and designed to be as they reflect Jesus Christ's active participation in the rule and reign of God on the earth. My wife inspires my pursuit of Jesus when she's actively engaged in pursuing the rule and reign of God for our lives and our family. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Don't forget that from Colossians 1.15. He makes known to us the manner of life that is pleasing to God because he is the head of the body of Christ, the people of God. As part of his church, his body, we are to take our directions, our promptings from the head, from Jesus. Colossians 2, 8 through 15 highlights this reality. And it illustrates for us what it means for Jesus Christ to be the head of the body and of all rule and authority. First, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And we have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Jesus Christ is the fullness of God and we are filled in him. Acts mentions this all the time with the filling of the Holy Spirit, empowering people for the ministry of the gospel. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully human, now fills his church with the Holy Spirit, who is another just like himself. See John 14, 16. The Father sending us the Spirit. Like Peter tells us that we have been given all that we need for life and godliness. 2 Peter 1.3, we are, we are now filled in Jesus Christ who is the head of the body. All we need is provided in Jesus Christ our Lord. Second, in him we have been circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands putting off the body of flesh, but a circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which we were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. It's Colossians 2, 11 and 12. Circumcision was the sign given to Abraham that his family was walking in covenant relationship with God. Baptism has largely been considered our covenant entrance as Christians because Jesus Christ commanded us to be and make disciples being baptized as part of that. 
We are filled in Jesus Christ, made covenant partners with God through our union with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection, exemplified in our baptism. Our baptism unites us with the death and resurrection of Jesus, bringing us through the death of our Lord into the life that only he provides. It's Romans 6, verses 1 through 11. And then finally, he says, You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. We have been made alive in Jesus Christ, forgiven and triumphant in Jesus Christ our Lord. Everything we are and everything we share in Jesus Christ flows from Jesus Christ. He is the head, the origin and the sovereignty, the authority over all things. He holds it all together. We are his church, his body, taking our standing according to the head who orients the whole of our lives. As Paul admonished. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Until next time on the podcast.